Hello, hello. Welcome to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Released. I'm your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on G-Town Radio. And I'm joined, as always, by... Yo, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles fame. And tonight... Yeah. I don't even know how to introduce this. Chris Sherritt's debut film, Have Plenty. I think it's fair to call this a cult movie. There are people who speak speak of this film. And it is a film. And those people tend to tend to be in cults. <laughs> As you see, we have a lot to say about Have Plenty. But before we begin. Before we begin, as always, we like to start with feedback that we get from each and every one of you via email, Facebook, Twitter, and um, Instagram. Um, as well as recently, our radio station that um, broadcasts the show mission, WPPMLP 106.5 FM here in Philadelphia, Philly Cam Radio had the Cami Awards. Yes. For which we were nominated. We were. <laughs> um we we did not win. We did get a certificate of participation, however. Yes, we did. We certainly <laughs> did. We certainly did. Um and and that was that was cool. Absolutely. But we didn't win the Cami Awards. However, um Vincent, you were una- unable to attend the award. I was. I was. So um, one of the uh, programming uh, directors of Philly Cam, uh, Antoine Haywood, he emailed us to let us know that he was holding our certificate of participation. Yes, which yes. you have, which yes. we're, we're going to have to have to have you take a picture of. So oh yeah, oh yeah, throw it up on his oh yeah social media. So we, we participated. Yes, in the Cami Awards. Um, but we did not win. But I thought it was kind of cool. He sent to us because we had to submit an entry. Yes. And he sent to us feedback yes. that, the, that the judges gave for all of the entry for the yes. entries that we submitted in, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, it was pretty cool to see that uh, we didn't we don't know who the judge judges were. Right. But you're was, not going to read all of them, are you? Well, no, but, the, long. but there's one. No. Are you going to read the real meta one? About how we should get to the review. Yes. Yes. That's the one I want to read. Right, right. Sort of, again, meta since we're sitting here <laughs> not getting to the review. In the, of the three judges, uh, yeah. two of which who gave us, you know, pretty high marks. One Absolutely. said that it was highly listenable, great chemistry between the hosts. The other one said it was an interesting and attracting topic. Judge number three is of interest to me. Judge number three said, I suggest getting to the primary point of the piece sooner. It took too long to get to the review. <laughs> Once the review starts, there is plenty of time and opportunity to interject personality, comments, and sidebars. You had lost me as a listener long before the review started in minute 21. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. I mean, if you do it, that is, I'd like, like to go right to it. I couldn't, I couldn't like say like that, that was, you know. I like the detail of at 21, as yeah. if he was sitting there Time looking it. at his watch, like, when are these Negroes actually going to talk about, um, I don't even know what, I, don't we, know what film I, was I, I forget what we submitted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, but, like you say, that is a fair critique. 
of our show, and there have been shows or an accurate critique. Let's very say accurate. that. Yeah. Well, uh, see, here's the thing. It's a fair critique in yeah. that, you know. It's conceivable that someone might listen to that and be like, oh, my God, when are we going to get to the review? When are we going to get just, to the review? I just want to listen to a review just, to Serve With Love. There you go. You know what I mean? So it's a fair critique. But is it necessarily an accurate critique to say that um, we need to get to the primary piece, of, the primary point of the piece sooner? And that it took too long to get to the review. Sure. Because I don't know that it, that's necessarily accurate. I mean, it's subjective. Yeah. Because there's times, you know. there, there definitely are times when I, I'm listening back to the show, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, I think we've got 10 minutes to do a review, this, <laughs> review this movie. Right. But um, it, maybe it's just me. I kind of like the beginning. I love it. It's, I love the beginning. Yeah, you know, I think the main reason I like the beginning, as much as we do, we we get off on tangents. Yes. Case in point. Case in, case in <laughs> point. But the best thing I like about it is just hearing the feedback from people. You know, I, I mean, we, we all read, we both read it individually. Yes. But to read it together. I was about and, to say, and then we, because, you know, it's like a moratorium on communication between us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, exactly. we, you know, we can't talk about. What movie. we're going to talk about until we get here, so that it's fresh. So it kind of overlaps. We don't talk about anything yeah. that has to do with the show. Yeah, we we get in and, and it's fresh for you. Right, so, right, right. And so. it's our opportunity to, to kind of like vibe with our fans, yeah. get the feedback, you know. But I, I I wanted to read this to let people know that you know it ain't all rosy. Sometimes people, hey man, some people are like you know what hey. the hell you you fools doing? Yeah, yeah so. Yeah. So, Judge Number Three, but thank you, Judge Number Three. We appreciate. Thank that. you, Judge. Then thank you, of course, Judges Number One and Two. Yes, thank, thank you. Thank everybody, most of all. So we got an email from Aaron Fry. What's up, Aaron? In 2019, it will be the 30th anniversary of Do the Right Thing, and yes, I've it always will. loved, loved, loved this film. I think he likes the movie. Yeah, it really bothers me that the subject and the situations of the of this film are still relevant. 30 years or 30 GD years yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. I really would like Mr. Lee to do a follow-up to the film and take it from the point of view from Eddie, the little boy who went to the store to buy the mayor some beer. It's 30 years later and Eddie is 43 years old and has a family of his own and takes them back to the old neighborhood to remember one very hot night in Brooklyn in 1989. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. Have, have you watched? Did you watch? She's got to have it. Have you watched any of it yet? The series. I know last week we talked about. I, I have not yet because I'm finished um, powering through Punisher, and then I'm going to okay. get to it. Well, I finished it. Okay, and I'll just say that by the end, what I wished is that it was an actual sequel to She's Got to Have It. And like just picked up these characters in their fifties, okay, in Brooklyn, okay. in this okay. change of Brooklyn. And to um, Aaron's point about uh, do the right thing, there is of course you know it's set in modern day Brooklyn, so of course regentrification and the changing demographics are all there. And and one of the the amazing things about do the right thing is that scene where Spike Lee calls it, mm-hmm. you know, nineteen eighty eighty nine, right. 
they have the white man who buys the brownstone. Yep. And he says, you know, this is my brownstone. I was born in Brooklyn. And there, there, there are scenes in in She's Gotta Have It where they have sort of, you know, neighborhood meetings, this, that, and the other. And I wanted him to be in it. Like, okay. I wanted him to say, you know, I've lived here for 30 <clears throat> years and I've watched the changes and blah, blah, blah. But I completely agree with Aaron. Like, I completely agree that Spike Lee in modern Brooklyn would be a great a great subject. So but you don't think that while he's not it's not solely his voice on the series, you don't think that the She's Gotta Have It series is not any type of it commentary is, from it him is, on modern day it, Brooklyn? It is I don't want to get into it because you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. He could do better with this subject okay. than what he did in She's Gotta Have It. The series, the series, because okay. I mean, you know, I don't think this is a spoiler. That's not really the main plot, true, of the series, true. true. Whereas, you know, this is obviously something that could be talked about a lot. Well, here's the thing, though, just to carry on a point where you said that you would hope that this would have been more of a true sequel. Yeah, that wasn't necessarily the plot, or really that germane to the movie oh, either. Oh no, 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 I was really just saying two different things. Just okay. talking about him doing actual sequels okay like like you know like actually going back in and visiting these characters okay because you know again not to get into the plot too much but the critique that i've seen more than any other and it's one that that you know was made in my house before we even looked at any of the criticism Mm -hmm. after watching atlanta and after watching insecure and and even master of none where you have these depictions of youth mm-hmm. as written by young people. Mm-hmm. Lots of Netflix Nola Darling sounds like a 60-year-old man's words coming out of a 27-year-old's mouth. Got you. So. I got you. But we'll talk about, we're like you know, I, I feel like we might need to do a binge lounge just on She's Gotta Have It. Okay. So, but but... But I hear you, Aaron. We also heard from Robert Monroe Jr. Hey, Robert. I feel like I haven't heard from Robert. Robert thought Robert had let us go or he didn't like us anymore. No, he still loves us. All right. Um, this was in response to one of our recent episodes where we spoke of uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Yes. Singing um, the Shaft. Shaft. The theme to Shaft because someone told him the plot of Shaft. But he didn't really see it. Shaft. He's got a 740 FICA score. Oh God. Shaft. He's got the blood pressure of an 11-year-old suburban girl. What? Shaft. He always finds shoes in his size. Shaft. His teeth are perfect. Robert Monroe Jr. wrote, Now I want to hear a Sammy Davis Jr. version of Curtis Mayfield's Pusher Man. (laughs) You got one for him, Vince? I don't. Hey, there's Priest. (laughs) Hey, Priest. He's a pharmaceuticals rep. That's not how Sammy Davis Jr. (laughs) sings. That is not. 
It's Tom Jones. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we also heard from Joe Lex. Hey, what's up, Joe? Loved your uh, interview on WPPM this morning. Oh, thank you. You've got a new fan. Awesome. Welcome. And when you kept It's Bad about The Last Dragon, (laughs) that'll always be there, Joe. Oh, boy. It brought to mind something I played on my special comedy show last Thursday. And then he gave us a clip from an old kind of like improv group. Okay. From the uh, late 60s, 70s out in L.A. called The Credibility Gap. Oh, okay. And they did a kind of like black exploitation mock-up commercial, like trailer. Okay. Uh, for a movie called The Kingpin. Oh. It's really kind of it's really kind of funny. Okay. I'll, check I'll, that out. I'll put it in uh, on the show. I was about to say, post that. Very I'll nice. post that in there, a little piece of it. So, uh, thank you very much. Yes. Joe. And, and welcome. Welcome to the... To the mission. Um, let's see. Oh, we had another email. I'm sorry. I have to get over there to it. Yes, from Maurice Poplar. What's up, Maurice? Thanks so much for the review of To Sir With Love. Yes. It wasn't on my radar, but I'll definitely check it out Absolutely. ASAP. That Dennis Edwards' Temptation Silent Night is my number one Christmas song. That's a good one. Maybe because Silent Night is much more common a Christmas song and this version is hold on this version is so much better than any other version hey I think I I agree it's my favorite version yeah I'm trying to think of it's my favorite version of Silent Night yeah but that Donny Hathaway joint is definitely my number two okay the Whispers did a really good (laughs) remake of it I love the whispers. I hate the whispers. My wife also hates the whispers. Both of y'all are wrong because <laughs> Scotty mm. and Walter are two little men mm-hmm. and they real, real nasty. Well, yeah. If you listen to the whisper songs, they are the nastiest little men. They say the nastiest stuff in their songs. And in your heart, you know they've pulled some sketchy stuff where they've switched places. Oh, yeah. You know that. You can only tell the difference between um, one's mustache smells a little tartar than the others. That's about the only difference. But by the time you're close enough to smell the mustache... It's it's a wrap. You're pregnant. (laughs) With Walter and or Scotty's baby. Or both. Or both. You ever see Maury Povich when they have the, uh, the paternity test and it's with twins and both of them come up positive? Because no. genetically they are alike. Wow, well, no, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Oh, you don't watch the Maury Povich paternity episodes? You, I, you too good for that? First of all, you too good to watch the Maury Povich paternity episodes? You too good to look at the, the TV God and make sure that it is and it's not one of them punk ass uh, makeover ones and DVR it and you know you set your DVR so that it, it only erases when it runs out of room because you can only save 11 episodes? I mean, not that I've done that, but you too good to do that? <laughs> not that you've done the math or anything. Um, he asked, Maurice asked, is this Christmas Yes, a black Christmas song? Do any of your white friends even know that song? You know, because mine don't. Here's a funny thing. 
Stevie Wonder's Little Drummer Boy, and Someday at Christmas are joints too. Thanks for kicking off the holiday season right, gents. Temptations, hey Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, anyone? They, there are actually some pop singers who have remade this Christmas. Yes, like if you're in, so, like if you're in like Justice or Target or something. Every now you'll and hear then, it, you'll hear, and it does actually make me uncomfortable. Like I feel very vulnerable because they because they just pull stripped the soul out of it. And I I thought I didn't know I thought like that was a black people thing. Like I didn't know white people knew about this Christmas. I think so. It kind of it made made me very vulnerable feeling. This Christmas has crossed over. There has been some quote unquote black Christmas songs that have crossed over. This Christmas, um, I would say uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Oh, I don't think that's a black Christmas song. Well, I do because I only think of the Jackson singing yeah. it. Oh no, no, people, lots of people have sung that. That's not. But how many people sung it before the Jacksons? I've never heard anybody I sing think it. Lots. Yeah, that's a that's a standard. You, really, that's a standard. I think it is. Okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But then, then the Jacksons is the most is the most famous one. I, right, right. Version I know. Of. Of. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I I think this Christmas is definitely a a a, a, a black Christmas song, yeah. and so is. Um, and I'm going to, I don't, I know this is not the title of the song. Okay. Chestnuts ro- Roasting on Open Fire. Oh, the Christmas song. Is it? It's, it's, it's actually called the Christmas song? Is it really? Yeah. Is, is it called the mm-hmm. Christmas song? Yeah. Like, that, like to me, that's a, a Christmas song because that's Nat King Cole. Right. But I know people have redone oh, I that. Mean, I'm, and it, I mean, I mean, everybody, I mean, that's like, that's. But does it bother you when other people sing that? No. Not cause that I, I, no, because I think the Christmas song is like America's Christmas song. But is it is? It, get me wrong. Don't no, me, I hear you. Is that a Nat King Cole original? Song? No. Well, Mel Torme wrote it. Okay, but Nat King Cole re- recorded it. I believe. Na- I don't know if Mel Torme recorded it before Nat King Cole. Okay. But but obviously the Nat King Cole one is, is the, the famous one, right? Like the one, right? But you know, it's like Nat King Cole and Johnny Mathis. Like they're black. But like everybody can get like everybody listen to Johnny Mathis and Nat King Cole. <laughs> okay. But like Donny Hathaway or the Temptations singing Silent Night. In my mind. Right. That's, that is a good song. Right, you know, I don't know. But that's not a black Christmas song. So is there any other black Christmas songs besides this Christmas? I would say Charles Brown. Merry yeah. Christmas, baby. Merry Christmas, baby. All right, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Backdoor Santa. See, I never heard of Backdoor Santa. Car. That's that's where the that's where the sample for Christmas and Hollis comes from. Oh wow! They call me Backdoor Santa. Hmm. Which is better, Backdoor Santa or Christmas and Hollis? I like Backdoor Santa. See, I love Christmas and Hollis. He gives all little boys toys so he get a girl's gifts later. Yeah, I bet he does. Santa Claus only comes once a year. To the ghetto, well, that's part of it. Yeah, so. um, let, let us hear your favorite "quote unquote" black Christmas song, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yes, that'll be interesting. It would be interesting. Yeah, that'll be pretty dope. All right. Um, do we have any other emails? Do I, we have other emails? I think. I think we're. I think we're caught up. Okay. Nice. I do believe we're caught up. Very nice. So I believe it is it now. Judge number three. <laughs> it is time for us to get to our review of Have Plenty. Have plenty. 
Come watch me make a fool out of myself. From the producers of Soul Food comes a sexy comedy featuring new music by Babyface. What's your first impression? I'll let you know when you impress me. Have plenty. The story of a guy who's unlucky with women until one weekend. I just might have to make a move on that little boy from New York City. Now he's about to hit the jackpot. Are you making a pass at me? That depends on what happens in the next five seconds. But it could be more than he can handle. Your sister just tried to kiss me. Really? Oh, boy. Real men can take a drink. Have plenty. Okay, have plenty. Chris Scott Sherrod's debut film from 1997, where he plays one of the lead characters, Lee Plenty, who was an almost broke would-be novelist. Haviland Savage is his friend from college and his unrequited love, which he spends New Year's Eve and the day after with her and her family and friends. Hijinks ensue, and we have have plenty. This was the choice of one Lynn Webb. What say you, Mr. Webb? I'm going to read from the critical reception to have plenty. Okay. From Wikipedia. All right. Stephen Holden of the New York Times said at the time of this film's release, with his self-deflating cool and amused insight into the shallowness of the buppy world in which he drifts, Lee is one of the most original and likable characters to pop up in a movie in quite a while. Okay. Emmanuel Levy of Variety okay. says that Christopher Scott Sherratt, uh Sherrod, am I saying that Sherrod? Let's go with Sherrod. Sherrod. Maybe he'll email us and, t- and correct us. That'd be nice. Makes a splashy debut as a writer, director, editor, and star of this fresh, bittersweet, modern-day love story that recalls the early work of Woody Allen. Interesting. Dwayne Burge of The Hollywood Reporter wrote back in, in this time that screenwriter-director Sherrod has dished up a dicey romantic wrist spot. Stuffing it with the real makings of romantic comedy, individual insecurities, desires, and tears. Leslie Swarsbaum of Entertainment Weekly wrote that Sherrod may be new to the movie game, but he announces himself with such confidence and force of personality, you know a noteworthy talent has arrived. All right. And what says Lynn Webb of the Michelle Mission in 2017? I watch Have Plenty. When I first watched it back in, let's say, 97, 98. Yeah. Um, I had a distinct feeling about this film that was not pleasant. I did okay. not like this movie. Okay. Um, and I think that's because at the time that it came out, you were almost in in the midst of a mini black movie renaissance because you had Spike Lee uh, dropping films left and right. You had John Singleton out, Ernest Dickerson, Mm -hmm. you know. um, You had um, had Cassie Lemons. You had had Julie Dash. You had people, films were coming out left and and right, right, you know. Um, And and a lot of these films were people's, uh, a lot of people's first films were being 
coming out and they were making a splash and they were rightfully making a splash on the scene in uh, not only in the audacity of their storytelling, but in the professionalism of their uh, of their craft Uh that was being depicted. So so we uh, call that foreshadowing. I felt that that have plenty had dropped the ball. Okay. When I had watched it back then. Okay. So revisiting this movie now, I was interested to see whether or not I would still feel the same way. And I was curious as to what other critics felt of the film. So I looked up the critics critiques first and I saw that all these people were, you know, going to, right, right. This fawning, fawning over enthusiasm this. And, so I'm like, yeah, I'm perhaps I did miss something. Right, right. Let maybe. me watch it again. Yes. But then I happened upon Uh-oh. <laughs> a little line in this blurb about the critical depiction that says um, nearly all major reviewers are particularly impressed with Sherratt's absurdist witty writing and personable on-screen charisma with the exception of Roger Ebert oh boy so I said oh boy what did Roger Ebert what did Roger Ebert say about have plenty You've done your research, Mr. Webb. I didn't know Roger Ebert reviewed it. Roger Ebert said, <laughs> and I quote, Uh-oh. I hated, hated, hated this movie. Wow. So. Wow. The the scale had yeah, been set. Yeah, that's, wow. Is that, is that. I mean, we don't have to talk about. I'm gonna have to look this review up, because because Roger Ebert usually when he hates a movie, he hates a movie. He hated it so much that that's the review. That's the whole review. <laughs> that's what I found. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what? It's great. But what did you think? I really dislike this film. Okay. And now. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Revisiting it, I was correct. The quality of the film is lacking. You hear the story, you hear the, the backstory of, of this, you know, that, you know, Sherratt went basically broke filming the movie and right. then had to wait a whole nother year before he had enough money to edit the film. Right. So, you know, maybe that plays a part in it. 
I don't know because he still directed. He still was the person behind the camera. Yeah, absolutely. He still is the person that put pen to paper to write this script. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that the 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 quality on every aspect of the film is just really, really um, almost close to unprofessional. Okay. The writing, this uh, well, I'll, I'll get to the writing in a second. The acting mm-hmm. is real is really rough, mm-hmm. and and that goes from uh from from all of the all of the women that are that are in this film. The the, the lead who plays Haviland, um, Shanoa Maxwell, yes, and then you have uh, um, uh, Robin Lee, right? Robin Lee at, plays her sister as, as her sister Lee. And then you have um, her girlfriend, Carolyn, played by Tammy Catherine Jones. Yes. Um, all three of the all three of them are like really hard to take. Okay. In this film, and they they are not helped at all by any of the men in this film, be it Reginald James as Felix or um, or. Even sometimes when there's an older person in there, you think that they might, you know, they might be bringing something. But Chuck Barron as Mr. Savage, he brings nothing to the table. Right. And Betty Vaughn as the grandmother, I don't know what movie she's in. She's in a totally different movie. So the acting is not good, right? Yeah. And uh, the direction is very amateurish but it's his first film and he's not a director he's not a director yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing neither is he an actor he's also <laughs> he's he's not a good actor and he casts himself in the lead of, yeah. the, of his own film yeah um so okay that's what how you want to roll but then you hope that he's good on one Either in front of the camera or... You're going to have to be good somewhere, bro. And he's not good anywhere. He's not a good actor at all. He is a very, very bad actor. Everyone in this film is a bad actor. But when your lead is your worst actor, then your film is really... it's, it's, It's doomed to failure. Right. And he is the worst actor. I don't know what type of effect he's trying to put on with this talking out of the side of his mouth, with him kind of like being um, obviously someone told him that he is is a funny guy and has a lot of charisma. Yes. And he is trying to put it on you. Yes. He's, He's breaking the fourth wall with you. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to break the fourth wall. But I don't want to talk to you, bro. And you have to earn that. And you and he doesn't earn it. You have it to at earn all. fourth wall break. You do not. True. He is. It, so the acting is bad. And then so okay, is his direction going to be on point? No, his direction is amateurish. The staging is poor. Now the sign of a lot of independent films is that there are usually a ton of close-ups. Right. One is a ton of close-ups because they don't know any better. Two, they do a ton of you do a ton of close ups because usually your scenery right you is don't have lacking. a lot of set right so you you you're getting in tight on your people so okay I'll I'll excuse that for him be, uh, because he probably doesn't have a lot of set um, especially since the the story 
has Haviland being like this almost like, you know, a well-to-do family, yeah. you know, but they're basically in like a suburban house. Right. So it's like, it's not but so well-to-do. So, okay, so you're definitely going to be in tight on these people. But that doesn't help. If you're going to be on tight on these people, then they've got to be giving you something. Right. And they're not even giving, they're, they're giving nothing. They're absolutely giving nothing. The best piece of acting in this film is where there's a, a scene mm. where he's thinking about his times with Haviland and you get a quick montage of them two um, laughing and joking right. with one another. And wow. Those scenes look really good. Oh, you know what those scenes are? Those are outtakes. Outtakes, right, right. They're, those are outtakes. And then, of course, Hill Harper as Michael Simmons. I'm saving him for last. <laughs> <laughs> there's, enough, there's enough to go, enough to go around. So that so when that is failing you, then I'm just totally I'm like, I'm I'm out of the movie. Right. But now watching this film from 2017 eyes you get i'm i'm really locking in on the script and never mind the the amateurish st- bare bones story that it is let's just think of what just deal with what the message of this story interesting is. because this movie which from the top, while he says that it's based on a true story, it also says that this is a dream by CSC. So, which is the true and which is the dream? Well, I think the entire movie is the dream, and the true story is that he made a movie. Because the dream of this film, and the dream of Christopher Scott Sherratt, is that every single solitary woman that he comes across... Except one smart woman in the gas station <laughs> wants him. Yes. They see him, this admittedly, self-admittedly homeless guy. Yes. Broke. Yes. No job. Yes. Nappy head. Oh. One sweater. Oh. Holy jean. His little brother's down jacket and his Uncle Pierre's beret, yes, brother. They look at him, and all of a sudden, they've got to get in his pants. Every single woman in this film, and how do you know? Because whenever he's not on the on the scene, and the women are in are alone by themselves, they're talking about him. Yes. You know you you do you know the Bechdel test? Absolutely. The Bechdel test is it's it's if two women are alone in a movie, you know how long can, can they have a conversation without talking about a man? Yes. This failed the Bechdel test at the opening credits. Yeah. There is not a scene where a woman in this movie is not talking about a man. Yeah. And usually the man yes. is him. And if it's not him, they're talking about some other man in their life and juxtaposing that man with him with him with with Lee. yes so i'm looking at i'm now i'm listening to this story and i'm like are you serious bro this is what this is what you're giving us i have a little explanation for that what's the explanation 
I, I got the feeling that Havland, the, the female character, the main female, she has a lot of toxic friendships. Yeah. And her relationship with his sister, with her sister, is um, challenging, to say the least. Yes. I got the feeling that those women threw themselves at Lee. It had nothing to do with Lee. Like, Havlin was was clearly keeping him on the bench and saying, this is mine. Mm-hmm. And this was women trying to get at Havlin through him. Okay. That's my read. That's a very generous read. Well, it's not even a read. I mean, you, you kind of look at the relationships between the women. And it's a lot of, of pissing contests going on between the women over lots of stuff. And then he just happens... Uh, see, I don't see a lot of I see pissing contests, but I see pissing contests over him. I don't see it right. being over too much. There's lip service paid to other stuff right. near the end between the two sisters, right. but there never really is between her and her girlfriend Carolyn. Yeah, yeah okay, All right. you know, um, and even that and and that whole plot with the sister makes absolutely is the weakest part. It, yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. Um. I'm also I'm judging this film. Am I judging the the man too harshly? It, it's his, this is his first film. I, I look, man, you put it out like this is your film. Yeah, you put it out like like. You, look, I agree with you. I actually agree with everything you just said. I agree with every single solitary thing you just said. I think the the acting is wooden. I think the script is amateurish at best. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Sherratt got caught out like a bunch of people got caught out like we've talked about Maddie Rich on this show. But yeah. I think I think that the landscape is littered with young black directors right. at this moment who um who kind of got caught out with the Spike Lee trap. Yeah, like people yeah. saw Spike Lee, and he's got that stupid hat on, and he's got on the bike shorts, and he's you know, please baby, please baby, please baby, please, and people don't understand that Spike Lee has a master's degree, he has an MFA in filmmaking from right. NYU, right? Like this is a filmmaker. Like mm-hmm. don't let all that stuff fool you. So everybody like, oh, well, I can pick up a camera and make a movie too. I'm a young black guy, right? And right. a lot of people got caught out. I think there are things like there's that stuff. And I don't like that, and I completely agree with you. There are one or two things that I like about this film, and then there are a couple of things that I genuinely love. Oh, I've got to hear this. I like Robin Lee. I, I don't know if this is... I think this is Robin Lee's first film, but but this was the film where I kind of tagged her okay, and said, okay, I'm going to keep my eye on her. And she's an actress that pops up. That has been popping up over the years. Okay. Like she was um, you know, in the first season of being Mary Jane. Like she mm-hmm. pop- and I just thought she was like in the 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 what what is it what the, the the darker shade of gray? Oh, fifty shades of gray. gray. Apparently she's in those movies. Okay. So I like her. I thought I saw a spark from her in this. Let's be clear, she's not good in this. Mm-hmm. But I saw a spark in in the midst of all of this. I said, "Oh, I like her." Well, okay, I will say, as an actress, she reads a little genuine, right? Just not a good actress, but right. a little genuine. So I I'll like Robin. That. Lee. I'll give you that. <clears throat> I liked Carolyn's character, the girlfriend. Like I like, like I like 
I, I like women character, female characters who are up for shenanigans. And she's up for shenanigans, and that's just the Lucy's. It's you know, I just like screwball women. No, and I I do too. No, 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 and, and you know, and, and hey, I prefaced it with it's not good. Like she's not good. So you like the idea of the? I character. like the idea of Carol. I like okay. I like the, and I think black female characters very rarely get to be screwball. Yes, and she was a screwball character. So I like that she was. It, it wasn't played. It wasn't played like it, it, it could right. could have been. But I see where you're going. Yeah, Chris Sherratt. I completely agree with you. I think Chris Sherratt is not. He's a smart guy, who's not as smart as he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. He's a charismatic guy, <clears throat> who's not as charismatic as he thinks he is. Yeah, but somehow I find that even more charming. Like the fact that he's that he thinks he's more charismatic than he is. And there are a couple of the Pratt Falls and all where it's like, okay, I like a Pratt Fall. You know, I go. Oh, are you serious, man? I am. He is. He is horrible. He is not good at physical comedy. Those Pratt Falls are are, are stink. I like he people can't falling. De- that he- makes me laugh. Okay, he can't deliver a line. He thinks he thinks he can deliver a funny yeah. line, but he can't deliver a funny line. And. Looking at his uh, IMDb, yeah. he hasn't had any other no, opportunity to deliver a line. So we can only go by this. Bruh, you can't deliver a line. Yeah. Um, I love Hill Harper's character. I, without irony, like to me, uh, Michael Simmons' character, the R. Kelly character, is one of the most cutting critiques of 90s R&B I've ever like I love everything about his character I love the music 40 ounces of love love beat down uh uh love 40 crack attic he said hey what's crack attic about read the lyrics and it's crack attic I got I want this crack I want your crack give me that crack I'm not talking about drugs if that is not every 90s R&B song I loved Hill Harper that one scene with him where he's basically the cool 90s R&B guy love that and then there's the film itself and this is where I thought you were going when you talked about the message of the film this is quietly kind of a dark like there's a darkness to this movie oh yeah yeah so so you know you said you don't believe it but by all accounts from everybody whether it's him whether it's the woman that this is about you know an Ar- which was a which an arista uh executive r and r drew dixon yeah you, you right. know according to her like this is all true true and there's something about the grand gesture like I think we're having a bunch of really important conversations now. Like, I think, like, I, I really love the fact that women have prompted men to have these conversations about, you know, the nice guy and, 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 you, you know, the, the, the guy, you, you know, and all that stuff we talked that we've talked for years, you know, oh, women friend zoned me or, mm. you, you know, women always want the bad boy, but they don't, they don't see me for who I am. And, you know, all of this real kind of ickiness where, as men, we think we're owed something mm-hmm. if we're nice. And that's all over this film. That's all over this film where where Lee's character is, I'm a nice guy, and and 
and I deserve you and you're going for this guy who's, who doesn't deserve you and and you know again it's a very close parallel with Chris Sherratt and what he says about Drew Dixon and it's like wow okay well the nice guy won but then if you think about it for longer than five minutes it gets really kind of creepy like this dude wrote this thing and made this movie chasing after this woman who says she don't want him and now he is sort of put this whole thing together yeah chasing after her i don't know about that like that's a weird thing so there's that but then on the other hand i feel like there's not enough instances of the grand gesture. What do you mean by the grand for gesture? black women? You know, it's, it's you know, it's the say anything thing. It's it's John Cusack standing outside the girls' window oh, with the okay, radio, okay, okay, and, okay. and you know the whole thing where where you you know where women are saying, you know, again, I'm not a princess to be saved. Mm-hmm. I'm not this, that, and the other. And I think that is all very true. But I also think that black women have all, always known that. Right, like black, like black women, are, and and there are not a lot of examples of brothers going all out for a sister. Like I'm going, I'm going to kill a dragon, I'm going to scale a mountain, I'm going to do all this stuff for this black woman. And mm-hmm. I don't think there are a lot of examples of that in popular culture. It's sort of that's that's actually in in a couple of sentences my Django argument. Really, so. On the one, on the one hand, I like it like that, like this brother actually moved heaven and earth for this sister. Mm-hmm. But then on the third hand, <laughs> I go back to this is there's this kind of creepiness underneath it. Well, it's a dark, where, like you said, it's a dark it, movie. It's, it's a, and it's a darkness, and you know, so like there's that quick detail where they said, you know, he took a class with her, and he was leaving her notes. And then they never saw each other again. And then he bumped into her in New York mm-hmm. and told her that I was the one that left the letters. And then they start, then then they went on a date and then they kind of remained friends. And I watched today and what popped up in my mind was, did he really bump into her in New York? Oh, you think that might have been intentional? Or was he stalking her? Uh, okay, maybe. But I, I don't know if he was talking to her for years though, because it was years later. I mean, I'm gonna give the guy, I'm, I'm gonna give him the benefit of a doubt on that one. I'm saying between the true story and the and dream. what we are presented in the movie, there's enough there that I feel like there are red flags with this dude. Okay, fair like, enough. There are red flags, and to me, that gives it a nice texture. It gives it a mm. texture that interests me in this film, and then finally. I love the cynicism of the end. I love just the, the just the bold-faced cynicism of the end that they tack on after he sold the film. Yes. To Babyface and Tracy Emmons. And you know, and he says at the at the at the talk back, I would never change my film for a film executive. Just you know, as he's in the midst of changing the film right. for the, the film, film executive. executive. Right. So sort of the audacity of the cynicism. Mm-hmm. I actually like that. But, hey, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. I didn't like Hill Harper's character. 
Why not? Well, I, okay. I like the idea of Hill Harper's character. I just okay. didn't like Hill Harper doing it. Why? I'm just not a fan of Hill Harper. <laughs> How are you not a fan of Hill Harper? I don't know why. Something about Hill Harper. What did Hill Harper do? He didn't do anything to me. Okay. He's done some stuff that I like. I love them and get on get uh, get on the bus. Get on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've liked a couple of other things that he's done. Right. But more often than not, I find myself not really liking Hill Harper. Oh, that's interesting. I really like as, as an Harper. actor. Yeah, I like the man. I got nothing against. Yeah, it seems like a good seems dude. like a great dude. Yeah, yeah. But the, the the actor, I don't really. Just something just just doesn't okay. connect with me. That's fair. One of my favorite character actors. Fair enough. Um, so I I didn't dig him. Um, Michael Simmons makes me laugh out loud. Michael Simmons made me laugh out loud earlier this morning. Going love forty. I would have loved love forty. Like if they you and this love forty. That's going to be an all day ladies. Forty dope. ounces of love. I like the little bit at the end where you got all the the the, the actors doing the movie. You know, mm-hmm. my girl Nia Long. Oh, I love Nia Long and short hair. Yeah, yeah. Um. You know. You know. They got Shamar Moore. You know. Hey. Okay. You know. He's a better looking Sherrod. Right. 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 Not much difference. I mean, but uh, I, I, th- I think even that though was commentary on how we pass exactly and we make people better looking. And so you know, I think he was a little more self aware than you're giving him credit for. Perhaps. Okay. But uh, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I just think that this movie was uh, a real failure. And a sign that this is a bad movie mm-hmm. is that I watched this movie with Lily Triple, Uh-oh. my girlfriend and Tawana. Who is we? Whom I, I likes everything. True. And whom I just assumed because this was a, a romantic comedy back in the 90, 90, late 90s, yeah. had seen the movie. Right. She had never seen the movie. Okay. So this was her introduction to this movie. And what did she think? She was ready to turn it off five minutes in. Wow. So I checked with her 25 minutes in. She was asleep. Woke her up. She stayed up for the rest of the movie. Did not like the film at all. So would you recommend this film for people? No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I would. Even though this film, it, 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 you know, is like a um, a, a timestamp for you. Yeah. Well, Back it's a timestamp for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a timestamp for others. It's a time people. suck for everyone right, else. Right, 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 right. Like I said, I, 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 I like the, I actually like the woodenness of it. Like, I'm charmed by the woodenness of it. I'm charmed by the clunkiness of it. Like, I'm charmed by the fact that these are clearly people who aren't good at this. Really, and they're just sort of it's sort of this can-do spirit of let's make a movie. Okay, you know if you if you say the the, the clunkiness of but I no, could, I wouldn't I recommend this. Yes, I, I wouldn't recommend this. I would not recommend have plenty. If you like Hill Harper, though, you should look up the Michael Simmons scene because it's hilarious. Yeah, and it's it literally is a scene. Oh yeah, he's only well. Again, you can tell the little nips and tucks where where the babyface money came in. Oh yeah, and they stuck like you know somebody wrote Hill Harper a check right to be in it. I actually like Babyface in this movie. Babyface is pretty. Fun. Who knew Babyface could be funny? I don't think he knew he could be funny. Yeah, I think he he got lucky, but it, it worked. Yes, it definitely worked. Yeah. Um. So. That's have plenty, ladies and gentlemen. That's enough. <laughs> so you've had plenty of have plenty. Yes. See, you, see, I kept waiting for you to 
You, you didn't. Like it was sitting. It right was too there. easy. It was sitting right there for you. It was, but. Yeah. So next week, next week we will be doing Sister Act One and Two. Sister Act One and Two. So many unresolved issues from <laughs> Sister Act One that they had to come back and wrap up in Sister Act Two. That was Lauren Hill at the end of this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. cool. So like we'll have two Lauren Hill episodes in back a row. to back. Is the back. Lauren Hill double feature? Lauren Hill double feature. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, hey, you know where you found this show? On MichelleMission.com, where you can email us at MichelleMission at gmail.com. Or like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All Michelle Mission. You'll find us. Twitter is actually Mission Michelle, but you'll find us. Um, and if you really want to help us support Black Podcast, as well as on the podcaster of your choice, Preferably iTunes. Please, iTunes. Please go in and give us a rating. And if you really like us, give us a nice little review. Believe it or not, that really helps people find the show. Our show is also available as a radio show on WPPM LP 106.5 FM, Philadelphia Camden, People Power Media, phillycam.org slash radio, as well as on the Black Tribbles Podcast Network and the CLNS Podcast Network. For Vince, this is Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you in some night. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.